Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck rope in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm a, you know, he, his big line to me is you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice the blood of Christ and the bread as participation in the body of Christ and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time so in other words you need to decide what are you going to participate in are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which is in the Eucharist or not. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. 
And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you on this beautiful, sunny Wisconsin morning. It's not always this sunny here in Wisconsin, but it's always sunny in Philadelphia, where my co-host is from. And Asantis, how are you doing this morning? Uh, let me make sure you're unmuted here. Unmute you there. <laughs> how are you this morning? Oh, great, great. Now, it, I wouldn't say that it's really very sunny this morning. <laughs> I always like that joke, though, because it's uh, it's from the TV show, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, uh, how are you? You doing good? Yes, I'm doing good. Thank you so much. (laughs) Awesome. And uh, I know we have a wonderful guest with us today. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit about her? Yes. And her family is a good friend of Patchwork Heart Ministry. Uh, We have with us Kennedy Hare. And Kennedy, I'm going to read your bio. Now, this is her own uh, autobiography. Uh, She says, I'm a 22-year-old Catholic girl who experienced tons of trials and tribulations thus far. After a life-threatening car accident, I was told I'd never play volleyball again. Yet I went on to play at two different Division I schools, two knee knee surgeries and three conclusions after that forced my faith to be tested over and over. I know now that God's plan will forever trump our own. Trusting in him and Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 was extremely hard at times, but I chose to continue to believe. Thank you so much, Kennedy, for joining us this morning. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. And you're also the author of a wonderful book. Uh, I want to make sure we get that in there. It's called oh, yes. uh, Through, Through the Crosshair. Uh, H-E-H-R, uh, which is how you spell your last name. So Through the Crosshair, and it's available uh, anywhere books are sold, of course, uh, Amazon and all those good places. So uh, it's, it's just super exciting to have you and, and have your journey. You know, um, I mean, tell us a little bit about your faith journey. That's always how we start on the program. Um, it's just, you know, your faith journey and your walk, and you have a fascinating one. Uh, and then we can delve into some of the, some of the uh, more interesting areas of the story. Okay, so I grew up in a Catholic household, um, baptism, reconciliation, confirmation, all those sacraments up to this point. Um, I went to Catholic school from second grade to eighth grade. And a bunch of, I never really had my faith tested up until when I was a freshman in high school and I was in that life-threatening car accident that Ann mentioned. Um, So the biggest overarching thing is that setbacks are what tested my faith and comebacks are what solidified my faith. So I was in this car accident and I was, you know, told I was never going to play volleyball again. I was told, you know, I might not be able to do anything I was doing previously. Um, And without God, I wouldn't have been able to overcome all of that, but I did. And then after that, you know, setback after setback, and we'll get into that, but overall, like I said, the comebacks are what really helped me dive into my faith because I knew that there was no other way for me to for me to come back from everything without God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe talk to us a little bit about the circumstances of that car accident because, uh, I mean, knowing your family and knowing exactly when that happened, I, I know exactly where I was when that happened, uh, and I was told about it. Uh, but, but. Just talk a little bit about the circumstances of that, and you know, I mean, again, you were uh, a rising, you know, rising, you know, star in, in, on, on volleyball. I, I know that you had played uh, in middle school a little bit, and all those and all those things. So, just talk a little bit about, you know, what what that was like, um, you know, having having those, you know, dreams come crashing crashing down in a, in a horrific accident. 
Yes. So I started on the varsity volleyball team as a freshman. And so that's where I kind of, you know, first established my volleyball career. And then shortly after the season in January the 26th of 2014, I was in a car accident where my stomach was cut in half internally. I had a hole in my small intestine and a hole in my duodenum. So in that type of instance, the trauma you endure, you have 60 minutes to get to the hospital. They call it the golden hour. And I got there in 59 minutes. So because of the weather conditions, I, I wasn't able to be flight for life, which is what they thought was the best option. But, you know, the ambulance did their job and they got me, got me where I needed to go. So I was in the ICU for five days, the hospital for 11 days, liquid diet for three weeks. I lost 22 pounds and missed 30 days of school. Um, and like I said, I had to, you know, figure out if I was ever going to be able to play volleyball again. So I had to learn how to walk again. I, could, I couldn't talk. You have no idea how much you use your ab muscles to talk until you are severed right down the middle. So mm. learn how to walk, talk. Um, I couldn't even tie my shoe by myself. And anyone who knew me previously or now for that matter knows I'm very independent. And after that, I was very dependent, which was hard for me in general to you know, have to ask someone for help for basically every, every little thing. So I'd love to hear, I'm sure that our listeners would love to hear also like, so after that happened and as you were recovering, tell, take, take us on the journey after the accident and as you got back to more normalcy over the next few years. So you would think that I got back to normalcy after such a terrible, tragic accident. But shortly after that in June, I tore up my knee and I was out of volleyball for another five and a half months or so. Um, and granted, volleyball at this point is not my life anymore, but at that point it was. So it was another huge setback. Um, I had never experienced a huge injury before, you know, outside of the car accident. So I didn't really know what to expect. All I knew is that with the pain I was in, I was, I was done for. There was no really coming back without some sort of, you know, procedure. So after that, I you know, got surgery, played in about six months. And then two years after that, I tore the same knee up in the same spot, same surgery was needed. Um, but that was, you know, six months, six or eight months before I was supposed to go play college volleyball. So then we were really in a, in a predicament there. So um, I ended up committing to Coastal Carolina University, which is division one school in Conway, South Carolina, about eight miles from Myrtle Beach. Um, and so that is where, you know, God really shined his light on me. There was, there's not many people who can come back from that many injuries and play a sport, let alone a division one sport at the collegiate level. And um, honestly, a couple of days after I had torn my knee up is when I committed. So it was a huge blessing to even have that opportunity let alone two of them because I ended up transferring and I was, I was at a different school when I graduated. Um, but now that after I graduated from UNC Charlotte, that's where I transferred to, I graduated in three years. It's one of my biggest accomplishments I've liked to say. And then that's, that's when my book came along. So it is now published, like Bill said, through the crosshair, um, basically just touches upon how, your plan is never going to trump God's plan. But also I, I targeted, you know, younger athletes, 
college athletes, even postgraduate athletes to um, just touch upon the fact that everyone deals with the same things in that aspect of life, the athletic world. And, you know, college sports are not all free things and butterflies and rainbows. It's actually one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And most probably every athlete would tell you that as well. So the biggest thing for me was about God's plan and just letting other people know that they're not alone in their struggle through the athletic world. Yeah, well, praise God that he intervened so much in your life and you are also open to his grace and he's blessed you. He's blessed you through all the pain and suffering that you've been through and, and what wonderful accomplishments you've had since that time. Uh, so I, I just commend you on that. And I'm sure your family's so proud of you. No. Yes, I would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know they are. Uh, yeah. And, and folks, I just want to let you know, we had, uh, I had my internet drop out. Um, so, uh, since I'm the one that, uh, at least my computer is the one that's upholding the show, uh, you may have had a little interruption in the broadcast. So, uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, but nothing I could do about it because my entire internet went down. Uh, but fortunately it was a brief little internet outage. Uh, and, um, so we'll get, uh, we're, you know, we're back on the air now, obviously, but, um, <laughs> but that was not fun. So, so I apologize, um. Anybody who experienced those, uh, you know, delays there uh, with that. Uh, but yeah, Kennedy, amazing story, and, uh, and and you know, just thank you so much for you know, uh, there are there are very few young people that are that that go through something like this, right? There, right. you know, and um, I that that I I really think that that's what the the strength um, of your story is is that you know you have not only been through it but you've conquered it and you've. And, and you've dealt with, you know, all the different fallout um, of that of that event. And there's there's so much emotional stuff. There's so much physical stuff. There's so much you have to go through, um, you know. And and I, you know, when, when you know when you talk to people about it, when you when you talk to you know people who are interested in your story, I'm sure that there's people that you go out to coffee with or or you know have have moments of you know, like sharing your, your faith with people that are, you know, that are curious about this. What, what is their reaction? What do they, what do they say? I think a big thing would just be, you know, how did you do it? Or how did you, how did you believe, you know, in God or in, in your faith while all of those, you know, for lack of a better phrase, terrible things were happening to you. Um, you know, they always say that God gives his strongest battles to his strongest soldiers or toughest battles. So, um, I've tried to lean on that, but Jeremiah 29, 11, obviously, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. That's what I've leaned on since, you know, especially my car accident. But even before that, it was my it was my favorite verse. I wear it around my neck, actually. Um, and so the biggest thing they say is just how did how did you do it? And so I try to be as transparent as possible and just be honest and real and say there were countless times where I said, you know, why me? Why is this happening? What did I do to, you know, deserve this necessarily? And so I was forced to trust because there really was no other option. If I didn't, if I didn't trust, there would have been, you know, a rabbit hole of sadness and um, anxiety. And that's not, that's not what I wanted to go down. So even if there were little, um, little spurts of God showing through, that's how I knew that, you know, something 
bigger was going to come out of this. Mm. And it did. Um, you know, my volleyball journey didn't, didn't go as I planned, didn't last as long as I planned, but you know, I wrote a whole book about how your plan doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So it's definitely, it was definitely hard to, you know, swallow that pill. Um, that's why I tried to, to realize, you know, but that's not how I wanted my life to look like. And God says, well, that's what I'm doing for you. Mm. That's so beautiful. Go. So well, is there anything else that you wanted to share about how God intervened at different times between the time of the accident and also now? Because I'm sure that you've also really seen him at work in your own life and thought, well, this is an action of God. It's not of myself. Oh, definitely. So I hate to keep talking about injuries, but unfortunately, that's kind of what my what my life has consisted of up to this point. But um, one of the biggest points was after my you know third concussion, I ended up medically retiring from volleyball and God shone, shined his light on me multiple times. I remember very perfectly, actually, I was on my knees in my little dorm room, very, very tiny stone wall dorm room, dorm room on my knees, just bawling, crying, begging to God saying like, please just tell me something. Like, am I supposed to play volleyball? Am I supposed to quit? Like, what am I supposed to do? And that morning, truly, I, I woke up with like an epiphany with God, the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, there's so much more to your life than this. And your health is way more important. And so that's, I, you know, I texted my coach that exact day and said, we need to have a conversation. And I, um, told her I was medically retiring because my health was more important. And it was almost as if God basically said word for word, that exact thing to me. So that was the biggest thing up to this point. Um, he's still very prevalent in my life every single day. It's really hard right now with COVID and church and all of that, but, you know, I try to stay connected as much as possible. It makes it really hard when, you know, that Sunday rolls around and you can't really do your normal routine. So you can in North Carolina, but I like to, you know, stay protected as much as possible. So the virtual ordeal is good as of right now. Yeah, I agree. Bill and I learned that lesson too here on Sewing Hope, right? I mean, th th this podcast started because of the pandemic. So, <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'd love to hear about your book. So tell us the title again and where can people purchase it? And what was it like also to write that book? Okay, so it's called Through the Crosshair, H-E-H-R with my last name, um, as a pun, of course. And I started writing it when I was a freshman in college. I, I told Bill a couple weeks ago, it was really just for my own sanity to, you know, write some things down and just vent to a piece of paper. And as a couple after a couple months went by and I was experiencing so much, you know, physical and emotional trauma, as far as college sports go, I decided, you know, people should know that they're not the only ones going through this because I knew I wasn't the only one. And it was just not something that was talked about. So then I started really writing and I, I changed the, you know, the end date like five times, probably my goal date to be done. But I'm honestly glad I did because I wouldn't have been able to put everything in it that I wanted to put in it that is currently discuss now. So 
this, honestly, the pandemic is what really pushed me to finish it. Um, I said, you know, I'm going to be home 24 hours a day. I have zero excuse not to, not to finish this book. <laughs> um, so it was pretty close to being done, but it needed to be, you know, gone through with a fine, fine pick comb. And I needed to add more detail and all of that kind of stuff. So the pandemic pushed me to it. March is when we really went on lockdown here. And in early June, I believe it was sent off to the publisher. So like I said, the biggest overarching thing about the book is that your, your plan is not going to trump God's plan, um, along with the, you know, politics of college sports and just my journey, because, you know, with, especially with social media nowadays, you have no idea what people are going through, you know, so a lot of people told me, you know, back in my little small town at home that, you know, I was an inspiration to them or inspiration to people that I had no idea about. So that's what I wanted to do is I want to, if I can help one person through that book, one person, you know, stick out that sport or, you know, finish that class that they may or may not be close to failing, whatever the case may be, then I did my job with writing that book because that was my plan. And personally, I would like to think that there were more, there, there have been more people that I've touched by the book. So I'm sure the next question might be, will I continue to write? So I might as well just get that answer out now. <laughs> um, um, I'm not sure. I can't really answer that as of right now. It wasn't really my my plan to be an author, you know. Um, truly, I'm not even sure what I would possibly write about at this point. I mean, my life is pretty boring now. I sit at home and work eight hours a day in my pajamas at my computer. But... Um, I mean, I do enjoy it. So I can't, I can't give you anything concrete and say, you know, stay tuned or anything fun like that, but <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day, something, something amazing will happen. I'll just have to write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, that, that, that's such a great story uh, that you're able to tell about how the book came to be. And, and, you know, our stories, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're not finished. I mean, n none of our stories are. And right. uh, I, I, I think that, you know, we all, do we always need to have something that is, you know, earth shattering happen in order to write a book? Uh, you know, certainly it seems that way in, in our society, right. right? Like, oh, we have yep. to have this. But the reality is, is that living the daily life of, um, you know, a regular, normal Catholic, a normal person that's out there, uh, just out there doing their best is what the majority of society is doing even you know myself and Anne you know right. I mean that, that's what we're doing you know and and I think that that's the most relatable part especially of your story is the fact that okay yeah I, I've been through this incredible event in my life that I am privileged in some weird way to be a part of going through it that you, you know that God believed that I was strong enough to handle it uh, that that I was given this not for myself Right, you weren't given this for yourself. It was given for you to impact other people, or there wouldn't be a book, right? right. Um, and and then okay, but you know what? I I don't have to, you know, continue having these these wonderful, you know, huge momentous or disastrous things happen in my life to recognize that God is part of who I am, and God, uh, you know, is is has a hand in my life, like. Th that that is such an important message too, because the reality of people out there, 
you know, listening to this right now, and there's a lot of listeners, Kennedy, there's a lot of listeners listening to this. Um, and uh, I, what, I, what, I, what I think, though, is the, the beautiful thing about it is that they may not have been through something like that, but uh, you, you don't have to in order to experience right. God's grace in your life. And I think that that's a beautiful part of your story. Um, I, I, I want to uh, bring in one question. We did have somebody uh, who is listening on our Podbean uh, thing text us so that people can text us on Podbean. Uh, oh, nice. their, their questions. And he just uh, said to us, uh, after such an accident, it is normal to have a depression after that. Uh, can you ask her how she was able to come out of that? I mean, you know, were there any, I mean, I, I, I know you touched on it a little bit, but were there any yes. uh, moments in there that were like, oh my gosh, I was so low, and, and how did you pull out of that? I think that that's, I mean, obviously God's grace, but, you know, how, how right. else? Well, that's a great question. Thank you to whoever asked that, um, because it is definitely, it's definitely true. Like I said, I went through the whole why me thing, and I tried, honestly, I tried to fight that for a really long time. I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, that's not going to help me at all. You know, it's just going to set me back mentally. And so, but I had to, you know, go, my mom always says you have to go through what you go through. And so that was, you know, just what, where I was at the time, why me? And the only way for me to, for me to get through it was really to ask for help, which made at the, at the time, I mean, still to this day, not as much, but at the time made me cringe to ask, you know, for help to, tie my shoe or take a shower or brush my hair. Um, my dad did my hair when I was younger and he, you know, had to do it when I was 15. So because of that. So I would just say the biggest thing is to just truly have to come to the realization that, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. And I really couldn't. Um, I really wanted to so bad. Everybody in my family would tell you, I, you know, tried to push them away as much as possible, but at the end of the day, there was no way I was going to be able to do it by myself. And obviously I had, you know, I had God, but without the people around me and the support system I had, support system I had through the club I was with at the time, um, just the outpouring of love on social media. Um, that's about the one positive factor of social media in this day and age. But um, I wouldn't have been able to do it with all that without all that either. You know, I had messages people saying I was the biggest inspiration to them in the volleyball world and you know, how, you guys know how big the sporting world is. There's countless athletes, professional. And, you know, I was 14 and people were telling me that. So that was my motivation, not only to play volleyball again so I could do it because that's what I wanted, but because it was going to show people that they could do it too. Mm. And being an inspiration has, you know, that's always been something I've been wanting to do. And to have that impact is it just trumps everything else. I mean, I'm looking at an autograph from Bethany Hamilton right now, actually the surfer who has one arm, who was my motivation. And now, you know, she wrote me a note and that's what I do now. Every book I send off, I, you know, write a little note to the person, whoever it may be, whether I know them or not. Um, just to make it known that, you know, it is personal. It definitely is. And I'm always, you know, here to share my story with anyone, whether you're, you know, you know, my mom, you know, my dad, me personally, or, you you know, one of you guys or don't know me at all. Um, so I do want to definitely say that no one hesitate to reach out. I would love to talk to all of you guys. Um, that's definitely my mom and me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, and, and once again, we just are so grateful to you to being here. 
and you are an inspiration. And, and not only were you back then, but you continue to be because you shared this beautiful story of perseverance and of triumph over, over pain and over uh, difficulty that you went through both, both physically and probably also emotionally too, I guess. Right. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just physical pain. I mean, right. you had other I, types of pain that you had to deal with. Oh yeah. And I, I appreciate you touching on that as well, because, you know, I remember the a post perfectly that I made. I said, you know, physical healing has now been semi-complete up to this point, but now we're on to the emotional side and the mental side of, you know, how do I possibly, you know, come back from that side of things? Um, still to this day, I mean, I have physical stomach pain, but um, I don't like to say, you know, it beats the alternative of not being here because there's so much more to life than that. And I really do not like when people tell me, you know, you could be dead. So I don't want to say that, but at the end of the day, it's true. So I take the good with the bad and, you know, hopefully the person that, that caused all of my, you know, stomach problems and the surgery and all of that, you know, will be, she will have her, what's the word I'm looking for. She will have justice served in heaven. So that's what we hope for. You know, we pray for her to this day, my family and I, um, just so that doesn't happen to someone else ever again. And so for people who don't know, there was, um, the driver was impaired. So I am very strict about impaired driving (laughs) and I will advocate for that until I'm in the grave. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. And it's, uh, I, I actually had a, death in the family. It was an uncle. Now he died before I was born, but uh, it was a drunk driving accident. So I heard a lot about that when I was growing up. And um, so I do understand your feeling about that. I mean, I completely agree. It's every time we go get in the car, we have to think about not only ourselves, but other people and, and don't take any chances. I mean, we can't take any chances when it comes to that. Right. That, that is my opinion. And, and I have two daughters in their 20s and always tell them over and over and over again to uh, to uh, not to drink and drive and and be careful who you get in the car with. Right. Well, in my I mean, perfect example is one of my brothers. He'll um, if somebody he knows is going to do that, he'll say, do you want me to tell you about my sister or do you know who my sister is or something like that? So. I mean, even just in that sense, I'm impacting somebody to, you know, do something for more, more reasons than one. Yeah, it's so important. And I don't think people really understand that you don't have to be uh, completely, totally intoxicated to really harm someone. I mean, basically, we really shouldn't be drinking and driving at all. I mean, at all. And uh, that's why we have designated drivers, right? I mean, so uh, th- th- it's very important to hear it over and over again. I think especially for people in your age category too, because uh, uh, let's face it, sometimes people in their early 20s, they do a lot of, you know, bit going to bars and drinking with friends and hanging out and doing things like that where people get in the car. So uh, we, we have to take that very seriously. Yes, ma'am. That's yeah. right. And it's good to have young people talk about that because I think uh, oftentimes uh, we we have a lot of, you know, 
older moms and dads, you know, talking about that. But the but the fact that you're able to survive uh, the accident and from a, from an impaired driver that almost killed you, and you know, we, we don't have to go through the whole story again. But the but the fact that you're out there being public about it at your age, I think, adds a lot of weight to it because because you know, young people tend to feel invincible. Right, young people tend to feel invincible. Nothing is good. I can do anything, and nothing oh, is going to bend. Oh, I felt that way until right. my car accident. I right. definitely felt that right. way. Right, and so and so, but but here's the key: at your age, you're able to step forward and say, you know, no, I'm not invincible. Right? I mean, that's the you know, that's the whole right. thing. I'm not invincible. I I was almost killed by somebody who was acting irresponsibly, and um, by by that witness to your peers in that in that age group, I mean, of course, it's going to continue forward as you get older uh, and whatnot. But the fact that it continues, you know, right now, and you're able to witness to that and say, "I I'm a young person. I was impacted by this." It's going to help so many souls and hearts out there avoid putting themselves in a in a dangerous situation. I. You know, I mean, it, it, it's no secret that, uh, you know, on this show anyway, that, that, I'm, that I'm an Uber driver, right? So so I uh, take people, you know, to and from uh, that have left their cars overnight uh, at a bar because they didn't want to drive home. And I always thank them, always, without, without fail, I thank them for, uh, you know, doing that. No matter how hungover they are, I, you know, you know I thank them for not driving impaired at you know, the, you know, the previous night. And I just, I just feel that, that your witness uh, really, really adds to that. And, and so thank you so much for that witness. And anybody listening out there uh, that, that is young, that is out there, uh, you know, within, within Kennedy or even my age group, you know, you're not invincible. Don't, don't make those dumb decisions uh, to, to do that because guess what? Um, you, you can severely injure somebody or kill somebody uh, and, and so, yeah, thank you for, thank you for that witness, Kennedy. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. I thank you too. And, uh, and I agree with you completely as a mother. <laughs> and I think we probably have some other moms that are listening. Uh, it's good to hear your story in the light, in the light of what you just said, how important it is. It is truly better to be safe than sorry, isn't it? I mean, uh, and I, I think as a mother, uh, we can't say that enough when it comes to drinking and driving or any type of driving impaired, as Bill said. Yes, that's right. So, uh, hey, I know that you're involved in the marketing field. Uh, tell us about what you're doing right now. We'd love to hear. So I graduated, like I said, I graduated early. So I was done in about late July, early August um, of this year. And Truly, if I knew I was going to be job searching during almost the Great Depression, I probably would have just stayed in school. But it was, you know, I've been mentally out of college for two years now, and I've been wanting to work forever, um, which not many people say. So <laughs> I was, you know, I applied to, I think the ending number was 190 something, 192 jobs or something like that. Um and, you know, deny, 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 or no response, or the, ter the position had been terminated, um, which that was probably the biggest one is that the position was no longer there, or they couldn't, you know, afford to pay someone to do it with the pandemic and all. So I actually had called my mom one week, started bawling my eyes out, 
I don't cry for those of you who know me, it's very rare. Um, and said like, am I ever going to get a job? I mean, how, I can't believe these people have been doing this for, you know, X amount of months living on no income. Like I just, so I had so much sympathy still to this day for people, you know, who are doing that or struggling because, you know, everybody who knows me knows that money is like my, is not like it is my biggest stressor and always will be. That's just how I am. Um, and literally probably a week, not even a week later, two days later, a company had called me that I had interviewed with previously who ended up terminating that position, opened a new position and they wanted me to be in that role. And so I listened to the voicemail. I almost, you know, fell off my chair. I was so, so excited. Um, so I'm currently an account coordinator for a digital marketing company based out of Virginia called Level 5 Advertising Team Velocity. And I work remote from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so I'm currently in training, but that is um, coming to an end here soon as the year as the year comes to an end. So I'm very blessed and grateful to have a job, especially having gotten one in the middle of a pandemic. But um, this whole remote work thing is very interesting. I think I would rather go to an office. But I'm not sure, especially with especially with where my job is located. I'm not sure that's ever happening. So, <laughs> so when you're finished with the training, you said, right? So yes. will you be staying in Charlotte, North Carolina, or do you go back to someplace else? No. So I'm going to stay here um, until, you know, further notice. When I asked my boss, he said, you know, if, if we can, they had never trained someone virtually or remote. So this was new. This is new for everybody, of course. But um he said, you know, if you can do it remotely, I don't see why you would have to move here to come to the office. So that's the plan remote as of right now. Um, but I'm also taking things day by day and, you know, I have a lease. So that depends on, you know, when that ends and if I find a new place. So as of right now, I'm staying in Charlotte, North Carolina, but Florida has been very appealing lately. So we will see. Stay tuned for that that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Florida is appealing when it comes to weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's for the hurricane, sure. The hurricanes are the turnoff, but that's okay. But everything else is great. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So how do you like North Carolina? I love it. Um, I had always wanted to move to the South, actually. So when I was in South Carolina, I ended up, I was committed to go to Arizona State and then I decided, no, I want to stay in the South. So now I'm in North Carolina. Um, the weather, for those of you in Wisconsin or even PA probably kind of, the weather is just as bipolar here. So it doesn't really ever have any rhyme or reason to what it's doing. Like right now it's 40, but tomorrow it'll probably be like 80. Then it'll be pouring rain. But I really like it. Um, I don't want to say that people are nicer, but they are. So so. <laughs> um, that's always a plus. Um, yeah, it's great. Awesome. awesome. Now it doesn't, you probably don't get any snow really. I know they had snow last season though. I heard, I heard they yes. did have some snow. Um, for what I know as snow, we do not get snow. No, we, we don't. <laughs> um, everyone who lives here and who hasn't seen, you know, Wisconsin or Northern snow would tell you, Oh my gosh, it snows so much here. But you know, I will tell you it'll snow maybe like a centimeter and everything is closed. No flight is going to take <laughs> off. 
you know, no one's going to school or nothing like that. So when I tell people it had to be negative 30 for us to go to, for us to have school canceled where we live, they're like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what negative degree weather feels like. Well, you probably don't want to either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's coming here. It's definitely coming here. Oh, I'm Uh, sure. It's not much, not much snow, but every once in a while, you know. Yep. Whatever you consider snow, I, I guess yeah. we get it. <laughs> yeah, we've already we've already had the first uh, we've already had the first snowfall here uh, in in Wisconsin, just a little bit anyway here in Milwaukee, uh, a uh, uh-huh. a light coating of snow, uh, but but it, you know it's but it's only November, so as you well know, it'll be uh, it'll oh, be you know ready. February and uh, we'll be buried, but. Um, Yes, definitely. But no, I mean, I think, you know, the whole thing, you, you just have an amazing story. And uh, and I know that God is going to be working in your life uh, continually. Uh, so so just, you know, th- thank you for your witness this morning. And thank you for, um, you know, all of the all of the really great stuff you continue to do. I, I want to encourage people to uh, li- get a copy of the book if they don't already have it. And uh, the easiest way to do that uh, is, is probably uh, through... Amazon or something like that, but they can also contact you directly, right, and and be able to get a copy of the book and they'll, and you know and you'll sign it for them and all that stuff. Yes, of course. So it's honestly, I don't sound very professional, but it's supposed to be on a lot more platforms than it is. So I need to look into that definitely. But it is on Amazon um, Prime for sure. So you know, Amazon is back into the swing of things, getting things at going pretty quickly. So, but if you order it through me, like Bill said, I can sign it. You know, I write a note. And um, I ship it off right when, right when the payment comes. So it's pr- pretty much just as fast as Amazon. So either way, it's really just a matter of if you want it signed or not. Awesome. And uh, and where do they get in touch with you to do that? So you guys can email me. Um, it's just my first and my last name at hotmail.com. Or any social media is all. All of it is my first and last name. So. If you have my phone number, of course, anything like, or if you know someone who knows me, you know, I'm pretty open to communication. So however you can contact me, it's fine. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, just using the email for listeners, uh, again, it's Kennedy, H-E-H-R at hotmail.com. And then of course, uh, Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook and all of those other uh, social media means uh, just search for Kennedy hair and uh, she'll be able to get that out to you. Um, you know, I, I wonder if you want to talk to uh, young people just for just for a few minutes about, um, you know, going through trials and 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 what that looks like. I know we talked a lot, little bit about it, um, but 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 specifically for for young people, uh, you know, in their uh, 20s who haven't had the privilege of of conquering what you have conquered, um, you know, and we have this. Or at least I hear it from young people, this mentality of, I am going to run from from pain, like I am going to run from it. I, it is it is the worst thing, whether it's emotional or physical. I don't want to. Pain is bad, you know. Um, can, can you speak to young people that have that mentality just a little bit and be like, you know, uh, some pain is unavoidable, and so how do we how do we overcome like? How, how do we navigate that when we're when we're constantly trying to run from something that that we simply just can't avoid? Um, I'll definitely say that there comes a point where that's not an option anymore, running away from the pain or the emotion. Um, I keep saying for those of you who knew me before, but truly, 
those of you who knew me when I was younger, emotion wasn't really in my vocabulary or in my body, <laughs> truly. Now, you know, as I started, as since I ran from all that emotion, now God decided to put more emotion in my body than I think all my family and my friends put together. So that's not my favorite thing in the world. That's for sure. But, you know, that was not my punishment, but it was, you know, God's way of saying, you know, you can try to run, but there's no, there's no way to do that. So you have to go through it. Um, and it's only going to make you stronger, truly. It sounds so cliche. You know, everybody says that, but you know, I'm, I'm 22 saying that. So I always said when I was younger to follow your heart and chase your dreams and, you know, let God do the rest, the rest will fall into place. And I, I truly stand by that to this day. I mean, whatever you want to do, just don't give up, you know, just keep running, truly running to it, honestly, running to your goals, running to what motivates you, what you love to do, whatever the case may be. Um, and you're just going to have to, you know, come to the realization that there's going to be plenty of things in the way. Um, they might not be as catastrophic as, you know, some others, but there's always going to be something in the way. And that's just, you know, Satan's way of trying to, trying to ruin things. But the stronger your faith is, the, the stronger you're going to be and the faster you're going to get to where you want to go. I think that your story can help people who need and want to get to from bitter to better, from victim to victor. That's what I'm hearing because uh, you you have been through such a trial, but you continue to persevere. You continue to have your own dreams and care about the dreams of other people. And I know that you want to spread the faith because I, you've experienced that faith is what really gets you through and what has gotten you to the point that you're at right now where you're able to look back and say, yeah, you know, life hasn't been completely perfect in some ways, but God has blessed me abundantly and I'm able to take a step forward into the future, doing his will and trusting his plan for my life. Right. Correct. So there actually was an article about being, becoming the victor from the victim. And so that truly is a huge thing. Once you can, you know, take that step into think or to, into, um, thinking and realizing, you know, there's so much more to this than, but I'm not going to, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I, I wasn't, you know, I'm the victim. Like what is happening? Why, why is, why is this happening? What did I do to deserve this? You know, all of that is completely 100% normal. There's no way Absolutely. you can go through something. It doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be so traumatic, but there's no way you can go through something and, you know, especially, especially, I will continue to reiterate this, especially with social media and the, the fake lives that people propose, especially with all of that, there's no way you can't say, why is this happening to me and not, you know, X, Y, or Z or et cetera. Yeah. It's good that you brought that up because sometimes with social media, there is this um, fake persona that people have as this perfect life, perfect family, no pain, and they're moving ahead. And, you know, that's really not what life is about. At the end of our lives, it's about uh, our, our real and true relationship with Jesus Christ and, and with the Holy Spirit and being open to his will. You know, nobody's spared any kind of pain. And I think God has given you so much wisdom when it comes to all of this. And I just commend you because it takes a lifetime for people sometimes to be able to 
understand that fact. Isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. I think it takes yeah. a lifetime for people to understand that fact. Um, you know, and 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 just to give you also a little bit of my own story was that I didn't have a car accident like you did, but was faced with a life-threatening health condition in my 30s that also helped me to open up my eyes, you know? Right. So um, you, when that happens, it, it can be a gift as well because you can see that life is very fragile, right? Life yeah. is so fragile and we have to be appreciative of that, but we also have to be empathetic with the pain and suffering of other people. So I want you to know that I do uh, empathize and also commend you for uh, the hard work that you've done to get to where you are today. Thank you, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, and I always try to, as hard as it is, and you know, I can I can say this now, but my next trial, I'll, I'll be struggling to say it. I so I can admit that, but something I always try to tell myself is there's, there's someone out there who's doing so much worse. Yeah. Whether that be, you know, financially, physically, emotionally, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's, like I said, it's another hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's the fact. So. No, that's a good one. It's a good one to think about. And uh, as a mother of two daughters who are around your age too, I try to instill that in them because, you know, I think, Sometimes in our culture, especially for people who are a little younger, uh, some families are raising their kids to feel as if life is all perfect and invincible and, you know, all will be fine 100% of the time. And it's not. And you know what? That's okay. Because right. that's what makes us stronger. It, it's, it's what makes us stronger is that life isn't going to be completely, as you said, butterflies and rainbows coming from one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm in Philadelphia too, so I have to mention that. Um, but, but, you know, uh, it, it, it's not butterflies and rainbows. Right. But that doesn't mean that it isn't good still. That it isn't good. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So, Kennedy, thank you so much for being with us this morning and just all the wisdom that, you, that you've that you shared. Uh, I, I, I want to invite people to connect with you. I mean, even if they don't want to copy the book and they just want to talk and they just want to share, uh, I, I, I think that uh, you've got a – well, I know that you have a bright future ahead of you because that's exactly what, uh, you know, the gospel passage or the Bible passage that you uh, live by. So, so, <laughs> so I know that uh, the Holy Spirit and God have a, a wonderful plan for your future. Um, but, uh, I really encourage people to connect with you, uh, and, and just, yes. you know, uh, reach out to Kennedy, uh, whether it be on social media, again, Kennedy, H E H R, uh, of course, get a copy of the book, uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's going to be awesome for you to just encounter that. I mean, I, I believe you even put the pictures inside of the book as well, right? You even put some of the pictures of your, of your accident just to, just to see that. And, and, and of course some others yep. too, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, people are going to be able to encounter and see and see the the real person that you are. I mean, I think that that's uh, one of the big things that we're thriving, you know, striving for in society today uh, is is the authenticity. Uh, and and you, you know, you just gush authenticity, which is which is so huge, uh, because, as you mentioned, people just put up these fake you know, <laughs> posts yes. on social media, uh, the, the authenticity just oozes from you. And I think that that's so important for, 
young people to encounter and to see, uh, because that is what's going to, uh, you know, change change lives and change hearts. And so I know he's got, you know, the Holy Spirit and God have got a bright plan for your future. And uh, and just so so thank you so much for for being with us, for for sharing the story. And um, you know, are there any are there any last words? You just have a few minutes to wrap up the program. So I just want to leave you with the last word to just share anything that you'd like to share with with people as we kind of wrap up today. Um, I don't know. I mean, I pretty much, I pretty much said everything I wanted to say, but overall, I guess, you know, just lean on God and don't be, don't be afraid to ask for help, whether that's, you know, on your knees, like I was bawling my eyes out, asking God for help or, you know, calling your parents or your siblings or your best friend or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's like a, like a, a gut thing for me because to just to even say that so because I like to do everything on my own um but at the end of the day that's there's no way you're going to be able to do that especially if you're going through you know some challenges so don't hesitate to reach out to anyone but I mean to me as well I'm pretty available um and I would love to talk to you so I appreciate you guys having me on it's been a pleasure um, I love to share my story. Hopefully I, you know, touched some one person's heart today, maybe more. Well, you did one, at least me <laughs> and Bill and Bill yes, and, we, and way more than that. We know Bill said we have very good listenership yeah, we got on this program. Huge, huge listenership today. It's one of our uh, best listened programs. Uh, so, oh, yay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Excited. So, I yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Um, I and, and thank you all for engaging and, and chatting with us and asking questions. Uh, we love that. So please do more of that in the future. Um, but I also want to um, just really quickly mention uh, as we're kind of for our for our commercial here, <laughs> we have a couple upcoming conferences as we wrap up the program. I want you to take a, a watch at Ann DeSantis's conference coming up on the 29th. Uh, God is mercy. Uh, go over to smartcatholics.com uh, to register for that. It's completely free. Uh, great speakers, great lineup. It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, on uh, on the 29th, uh, concurrent with Anne's uh, conference for one day, we're going to have uh, the beginning of our Advent pilgrimage. And if you go over to parousiamedia.com, we'll put links in the show notes for you uh, to register for that again, completely free. It's a daily walk with wonderful speakers. Uh, we've got amazing people like Jeff Cavins, uh, Jason Everett. They're all going to be uh, talking and sharing uh, their uh, their uh, life with you. So uh, it's going to be a wonderful conference to help you get ready for uh, Christmas time uh, and, and Advent. So I uh, want to thank all of our listeners for listening today and being a part of our ministry. Uh, once again, a big thank you to uh, Kennedy Hare for uh, being with us today. Again, her book is named uh, Through the Crosshair. It's available wherever books are sold online uh, and through Kennedy as well at kennedyhare at hotmail.com. So uh, please, please, please uh, check out the book. Check out how you can uh, learn more about her and her wonderful story and ministry. Uh, but until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, Fiat Ministry Network, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.